Hello, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. I am joined with my father and co-host, Michael D. Harper, PhD, aka Mikey. How are you this morning, Mikey? <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing fine. It's a beautiful day in Colorado, and today, uh, you know, you have all these quotes that we're going to be doing. I'm looking forward to it, you know, and just it's just uh, stitching time saves something, and and uh, uh, when it rains, apples grow. Or I don't know. There's a bunch of sayings out there that we're going to hear a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And what a way to start a day. It's a beautiful day. We all have the same day. What are we going to do with it? How do we start? One good way is to start with some quotes. Yes. And some of these we might start remembering. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing okay. Yeah, we on Tuesday we started looking at the 100 most famous quotes of all time according to Brainy Quote. We got through the first 25, and that seemed like a good amount of time to talk about this stuff. But it's very easy to talk about because each quote expresses a different idea. And it gives mm-hmm. us a little jumping off point for a discussion. And we're going to read them. We're not going to try to remember them because I won't remember. I'll, 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 mix, I'll mix the quote. But we're going to read them. We'll read who did them, uh, who, who the, uh, the, uh, to whom the quotes are attributed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we will do 25 of them today. And some of these might be your favorite or may become your favorite. You never know. Mm-hmm. So shall we jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. 74. Sigmund Freud, being entirely honest with oneself is a good exercise. Yeah, well, I agree with that. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Uh, Well, actually, uh, Sigmund Freud probably sees that a lot where people are not honest with themselves. They, they, They lie to themselves. They think they're there's something that they're not. And sometimes you have to say, look, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the first place to start uh, for happiness. Yeah. I like uh, who you are. I think Dan Harmon was interviewed. You know, Dan Harmon from Rick and Morty. Yeah. And he said, you know, if you look at all these things that other people do that infuriate you, like you have two choices. You can either... Ask yourself why they infuriate you and find those things in yourself, or you can stare into the abyss. That was his version of this quote. <laughs> I, uh, that interview with Dan Harmon, he's, 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 he's great. I really enjoyed that. I really like him. But being honest with yourself, the more you think about that, it's more than just a good exercise. It's, I would say it's necessary uh, for people to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you li- if you lie to yourself, uh, that's, that's never a good thing. Uh, you have to be honest with yourself to move forward. A lot of people think they're happy, but they're just lying to themselves. That's true. Start with honesty. Start with honesty. So I like that quote. That's a good one. Yeah. Let me see. But I. It's but it's more than just a good exercise. I think it's it's necessary for people to understand themselves and move forward and accept themselves. Uh, being entirely honest with oneself and accepting who we are. I think it's necessary to move forward in happiness. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just uh, throw up an unrelated image on the screen, but we'll just remember what the quote is, you know. Being entirely honest with oneself is a good exercise. So okay. this is just an unrelated image. Uh, uh, well, you can see it. Uh, I wish that there was a way that you could sh- image search something and full screen it. 
You know, you, uh-huh. you can't. Uh-huh. It's, uh, yeah. What are you going to do, though, right? Let's move on. Uh, I think we've covered one. we got 24 more to go, so shall we? Yep, yep, I'm ready. Okay, yep. number 73, George Orwell. Happiness can exist only in acceptance. Well, it seems to me like there needs need to be a context on what that means. Uh, what do you think that means? What do they, well, George Orwell, first of, first of all, was that as one of his books or something? I don't know. Happiness... Cap, happiness can exist. Happiness can exist only in acceptance. Acceptance of what? Yeah, what are I don't you accepting? Yeah, I don't understand that one. Uh, oh, maybe if you accept reality, then you can be happy. It, again, maybe it goes with Sigmund Freud being honest with yourself. I don't know. I, think I don't understand. I don't understand that one. Do you? Um. I think it's like, uh, yeah, maybe it's honesty with yourself. Maybe it's accepting the things that you can't change, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's, until you accept the things you can't change, you won't find happiness. Uh, that's that's how I would. That's that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good way to, to think of it. The thing of it is, it's so, it can mean so many different things that, uh, hey, let the listener figure out what it means to them. 72? 72, you want to read it? Love has no age, no limit, and no death by John Galsworthy. I don't even know who that is. I don't know who that is either. But I I but I don't know. That that that's very, very true. Oh wow, that was quick. English novelist and playwright. The Foresight no- Woman, the Foresight Saga. Okay. Okay. Well, well he maybe he said in one of his books, but I, I think that is that's very true. That uh, no age, no limit, and no death. That uh, you know, like when you get married, uh, you you know, till death do us part. Well, maybe the legal marriage is dead, is gone, no longer exists. But that doesn't mean the love dies. The love continues on forever. So there is no death to love. Love. It it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, I knew there was a Love Never Dies musical. Apparently, it's by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. And it's... Is it the Phantom of the Opera? Uh, wow, I don't know. I've never seen this. I've seen the Phantom... It's a sequel to the Phantom of the Opera. Okay, yeah. I can I can believe that. Yeah. The Phantom of Manhattan. Uh, Love Never Dies. Hey, that might be a good one to, to, uh, to watch. Yeah, I see. I have a beef with uh, Phantom of the Opera. It's like this guy. And really, he's uh, sort of grooming this young girl. Uh Uh-huh. And he's like her teacher or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And then this young guy comes into the picture and like romances her. It's like an actual match for her. And he gets all butt hurt. And he sort of just like runs off and like pouts. That's the whole plot of the story. Yeah. Well, he kills people and he, yeah, he kills a couple of... people and then he gets all butt hurt and he runs off and pouts. That's the story. And like, hey, that's our hero. Yeah. It, it It is kind of a weird story. And uh, the music is good. The music is, I really like the music. Mm-hmm. But I kind of agree with you. The story is a little bit. Uh, on the on the on the yellow dark side, I don't I don't get it. 
anyway, but love has no age, no limit, and no death. Uh, I I uh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I, that that's that's very good because I think a lot, lot, lot of people say hate is more powerful than love. Well, I think hate is powerful in the short term, but love uh, has no end. It 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 will continue on, especially with hum- humanity, humans. Well, lo- love will conquer. Love will uh, last longer than hate uh, because love is survival uh, and hate is short-term success, but love is long-term survival. And again, going back to AI, maybe that's the difference between man and machine, humans and, and machines, that humans have ability to have love. Yeah. And and that'll that'll never die and that'll supersede other types of uh, uh, shortcomings that we that humans may have. True. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Uh, it's a thought anyway, right, David? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, that's that's John Galsworthy. Yes, moving on. Albert Einstein, you can't blame gravity for falling in love. Yeah. That's something Albert Einstein would say. <laughs> Is that similar to happiness can exist only in acceptance? Uh, I'm not sure. Like, uh, it's like the opposite side of it. Falling in love oh. is not a gravitational thing. It's not chance. It's something you do. It's not something that happens. Right. I think a lot in life is something you do, not something that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, a, lot think- of, a lot of people think it's something that happens. So it's like... Why hasn't this happened to me? And it's like, because it's something you do, not something that happens. Uh-huh. It's like, you got to go out there and find it for yourself. What do you think he's or trying you, to say? I don't know. I, when I saw that, I, the, my first thought was, is he just trying to be funny? Yeah. I mean, he, he had a sense of humor. He was a funny guy. So is he just trying to be funny and saying, oh, falling in gravity and you can't fall in love and gravity. He just, he's just trying to have a play on words. Uh-huh. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe he's just saying that. And people like that. Uh, like, like uh, Albert Einstein for, for being witty. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the first thing I thought. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, that's probably true. He probably, there's probably not that much to it. I don't know why it's one of the top 100 quotes of all time. Cause <laughs> it's not really that clever or funny, but moving on. Well, Albert Einstein has made some quotes that that are that are really good. Uh, I, I I can't quote them exactly, but like, you can't solve something by doing the same things that created the problem. You know, like he 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 said that mm-hmm. he said a lot of really good things uh, that were quotable. Uh, I, I'm sure he said this, but uh, I'm not sure how quotable this is. <laughs> yeah. Well, moving on. Okay. There is only one corner of the universe you can be certain of improving, and that's your own self. Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley. Who's Aldous Huxley? He wrote Brave New World. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And it's funny how he says corner of the universe. So don't be concerned with anything else except maybe yourself or start with yourself. Yeah. That That's one thing. 
that you can be certain of improving. Yeah, that, that's very that's very good. It's a very good insight to have. You say you just start with yourself. Don't too many times people think of of what what can you do in someone else. Well, start with yourself. Yeah, if everyone else could change, things would be great for me. <laughs> I could be yeah. the same miserable person that I am now, but everyone else could sort of change to accommodate my misery, and everything would be great. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So that's a good that's a good saying. I like uh, that one. A lot of these are very similar today, don't you think? Similar today, you mean they're similar to what we were to what, to, to each other, like what we've talked about. They sort of relate so, to each other. Yeah, yeah, they are. You're right. I never noticed that, but you're right. They're very similar. Like like number sixty nine. Nice, uh, Thomas Jefferson. Honesty is the first chapter in the book of wisdom. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, why to be wise, you need to be honest uh, because if you lie, that's I think is the opposite of lies uh, are not wise. They're not not really wisdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, you can take and that was Thomas Jefferson, and so you can take that to other politicians. Like when you lie, that's not being wise. You know, when you lie to people, uh, that's really being foolish. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the first chapter in the Book of Wisdom. It starts with wisdom. I mean, it starts with honesty. Again, it goes back to being honest with yourself. You know, being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, number so, six. Uh, go so ahead. again, a lot, of them are, a lot of them are very, very similar. They're kind of about yourself kind of thing. Uh, 68 is Lao Tzu. Mm-hmm. You want to read it? The, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Yeah, I've heard that before. The was, journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. I was watching uh, Dumb on Hulu. It's the documentary about the story of Big Brother Skateboard Company. And that was, excuse me, Jeff Tremaine. And Jeff Tremaine, it was uh, World Industry Skateboards. Jeff Tremaine became the managing editor. He brought on some other people, but most notably he brought, brought on Chris Pontius, Steve-O, Johnny Knoxville, and Wee Man. And they formed half of what became the Jackass crew. Uh, Jeff Tremaine became the director of the Jackass movies, the Jackass television show. And... So Big Brother magazine was sort of like jackass in print form, more or less. Um, And they were doing wild stuff in the 90s. And the city of El Segundo, they had this big um, thing. We want to pull their business license because they're putting bad stuff in this magazine. We want to censor this magazine. We want to do everything we can to censor them. And I saw the city council meeting, the videotape, and this lady sort of representing Big Brother just as a citizen, it's like, listen, you can censor something, but it's not going to make a difference. Like, I think that you have to decide, you know, what hill you're willing to die on. And censoring this magazine is not going to make a difference. And the city council member says, well, it's a start. And the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. (laughs) So I think you can use these quotes to justify anything. You could justify, oh, what Lao Tzu's saying here is um, if you want to censor everything you don't like, you have to start by censoring one thing you don't like. That's exactly what the guy's argument was. 
Hey, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But I, I think the sentiment here is that you have to take one step before you can achieve something great. Yes. You, you have to start. You have to start doing. You just have to start. You have to be active. You have to do things. Mm -hmm. You don't sit and think about it all the time. You yeah. actually do it. You have no idea where you'll end up once you start moving. That's right. That's right. And I, I also heard uh, it's easier to guide a moving ship than to guide a ship sitting still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there is no direction unless you're moving. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that, that again, it's just a famous quote. And we've heard it quite a bit. And I guess Lao Tzu was one of the first ones who said it, mm -hmm. which is, I'm sure there's different versions of it, too, all over the place. But uh, it's very true. Very yep. true. You got to get. You got you to take that first step to get started. Yeah. And sometimes getting sometimes getting started is the hardest the hardest part of the whole the whole endeavor. Mm-hmm. Because you know you have to go through something, but you don't want to, so you don't start, yeah. and then you never have to go through anything. But if you start, then you're in the middle of it, and you have to finish. Well, a lot of times you don't start it because you don't want to do it, but th because you're afraid or you, you it's going to be hard work or something. But once you start, you're in the middle of it. Then you realize, hey, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the anticipation and the worry about what it is is greater than actually doing it and 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 getting done, being done with it. Yeah, and I mean, this is I'm I'm talking about all the corollaries to this, this quote. But we watched We Work with Adam Newman and Fire Festival with Billy McFarlane, uh -huh. and, and I think that someone that's willing to step up and say. This is our mission. This is what we're doing. Let's move towards this goal. All they have to have is that confidence to get people to believe in them. Because those people are like, oh, you're giving me a mission. You're giving me a direction. You're giving me a goal. And they'll start uh, working with that person, even if that person has no idea what they're doing. Um, so uh, and the, I think one reason why charlatans can attract people that follow them is because it's easier to latch on to someone else's journey than to start a journey of your own. <laughs> right. Yeah. So moving on, number 67. 67. The best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. Oh, this, oh, we skipped 66. Oh, no, never mind. What am I thinking? We're going, we're counting down. We're going down. H. Jackson Brown Jr. Who is oh, that? Wow. Who it, who's he? H. Jackson Brown Jr. He's an author. His inspirational book, Life's Little Instruction Book. When did he write that book? Um, Life's Little Instruction Book, Volume 1, 91. Yeah. Okay, he was born in 1940. Mm -hmm. Because... I don't know, when I was, I used to say that, and I wasn't, I didn't know he said that, but I used to say that. I used to say, the best way to prepare for your 30s is to enjoy your 20s. <laughs> the best way to prepare for your 40s is enjoy your 30s, you know, and so enjoy every decade you have, and that's the best preparation for the next decade. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what he's saying. The best preparation for tomorrow is enjoying your best today. Is, or just enjoy today. Just, just enjoy what you do and love what you do. And that that's going to carry on 
to tomorrow or the next next decade that you're living. Because I remember him thinking, oh, wow, I'm, I'm in my 20s. What's it going to be like in my 30s? Don't know, but the best, you don't know what it's going to be like, but the best preparation, just enjoy your 20s and do as, do whatever, just focus on what you're doing now and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Do your best. Do your best and, and enjoy it. Enjoy what you're doing. Don't worry about, about uh, the tomorrow to where it destroys today. That's a that's a that's that's a that's a fairly good one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Number sixty six from our boy, JC. <laughs> our boy Jesus Christ. Sixty six. A, com- a new command I give you: love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Mm-hmm. And that's that's well, the Bible has a lot of famous famous quotes that that people uh, will quote all the time. Yeah, and and this is one of them. The the anti-mask fundamentalist Christian people, they don't seem to quote Leviticus, where it says that if you're sick, you should wear a mask. <laughs> Bizarre to me. It's right there in the Bible. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I, I guess they're fundamentalists when it comes to fundamentally believing exactly what they want to believe and not believing what they don't want to believe. Yeah, well, fundamentalists maybe it's it's you. That's right. You 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 believe only fundamental things. That's a very a subset of of the actual Bible. Mm-hmm. You don't really believe the Bible. You believe a subset of the Bible, and that's you say, okay, this is fundamental. The other stuff is not true. So they just pick and choose. Yeah. So so, uh, uh, Levit. What is it, Leviticus? Yeah, I forget which chapter. Forty five, maybe. Let's see if we can pull that up. Forty five, fifteen, or something like that. Yeah. I'm looking. Uh, 13 verses 45 and 46. 13? Yeah, here, I'll pull it up. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain (laughs) unclean as long as he has a disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. He shall social distance. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. He shall cover his upper lip and live alone if he has the disease. So social distance and wear a mask. God said that, not me. (laughs) And Leviticus also says, cries out, unclean, unclean. Tell people you're you're infected. Mm -hmm. You have the disease. Leviticus tells you to do that. Yeah, did you see the lady? That, did you see the lady in the supermarket coughing on people? Did you see that uh, video? No, I didn't. Let me see here. It's gonna be, it's gonna be sad. Here she people is. People are. She uh, she got fired. <laughs> That's a. Um, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, she's coming, coming on purpose. Yeah, hold on, let me add the computer. <laughs> You're so cute. She's coughing on me. She's coughing. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm coming through. <coughs> You're so cute. She's coughing on me. She's coughing at me. No, yes. look at you guys. Yeah. You're so cute. You're such a parent. 
I was not okay with being coughed on two years ago. <laughs> Neither was I. No <laughs> one's ever okay with being coughed on. Right? You don't know anything right? about my health. I don't. Yeah, she's coughing she's on me. I have my allergies. And she got all freaked no, out doesn't. because I'm coughing. No, she's coughing. How do you know? You don't know anything. She just said, I don't know anything about her. So that lady got fired <laughs> from SAP. She worked for SAP. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Yeah, the 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 uh, software company. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a uh, self-absorbed. You know, she says you don't know. You know, well, she doesn't know either. Uh, but we do know there is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We do know that. We do know that people are getting sick and dying. We do know there there's a a uh, a, a announcement for everyone to wear masks to cover their face. We do know that. Yeah. We do know that coughing uh, spreads uh, particles, and those particles uh, have an epidemic potential. We do know that. So it's a lot we do know. Mm-hmm. And she is thwar- she just totally thwarting that. And we do anyway, know that uh, if you are, act like that lady, or you know, if you're anti-mask in any capacity, one thing that you absolutely hate is the Bible. Because the Bible says you should cover your upper lip with a cloth. <laughs> and that's not me talking. That's just the Bible. I mean. Yeah, Levit- Levit- Leviticus 13. Was it 13 something? 13, 45, and 46. 13, 45, 46. That's right. Because she hates the Bible. Yeah, that lady does not yeah. believe in the Bible. I don't. The think. fundamentalists do not believe in the Bible. Well, here's the thing. Maybe that you could say, oh, that's, very, that's for leprosy, not COVID. But I don't believe that that lady loves one another as Jesus has loved you. So she loves one another. Going yeah. around coughing on people, trying to prove some sort of point. That's not really Christian-like. That's just my two cents, though. So yeah. moving on, because, you know, that stuff, it pisses you off. you gotta got to cleanse your palate. Maybe we'll find some inspirational quotes here. 65. There are two ways of spreading light. To be the candle or be the mirror that reflects it. Edith Wharton. Edith. Edith Wharton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two ways of spreading light to be the candle or the mirror that reflects it. Do you think the Karen, she was neither the candle nor the mirror reflecting the light? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, they're talking about spreading the light. A candle doesn't spread the light. It creates the light. Mm-hmm. The mirror reflects it. That that spreads it. I don't like but, that. Uh, that yeah, I, I guess I don't really understand the... The other, the hidden implications of that. But anyway, Edith Wharton said it. And, and actually, I bet she probably has some very, again, in context. Mm-hmm. In context, that probably is something very, very positive. You don't spread falsehoods. You know, you spread truth and you spread goodness and you spread. Actually, you spread uh, uh, 100, the, the, the most popular quotes that are going to help people. Yeah. So we didn't this- say these things, but we're spreading them. This Sam, yeah, we're the mirror that reflects the light. We are spreading light by being the mirror that reflects it. Which what we're do, what we're doing, try to help. We're, we're gonna we're gonna spread light 
We're not going to spread darkness. So this next one, the Samuel Beckett quote, is uh-huh. right up our alley. It's like moving from failure to failure with undiminished enthusiasm. Yes. Ever tried, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. Samuel Beckett. <laughs> Do you like that one? Yeah. I like that one. Uh, there, that That's in a category that we've mentioned a lot in this podcast about, you know, go from failure to failure, failure, move, move from failure to failure to success, you know, and uh, how many, how many very, very successful people in the past have failed mm-hmm. and uh, learned from their failure and then to try again and, and keep trying and keep trying till they're successful. And you, you've told a lot of stories here about uh, uh, Yama, uh, about uh, Kawasaki uh, Yamaha, 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 but the Yamaha, again, that's right along that, that quote. And he, that's what he did. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he stuck with it and kept trying. Yeah. He developed a reed organ and he walked it over the hills to Kyoto, the old provincial, the old capital of Japan. He said, Hey, check out my reed organ. What do you guys think of it? And they said, it's not in tune. <laughs> He didn't understand temperament, so he went to the College of Music and he studied temperament. And he went back home and he made another reed organ, and that one <laughs> was in tune. And he started selling organs, and from there, the company of Yamaha was born. Yeah, but he—it wasn't that he brought he what he carried it over a mountain, he, over a mountain. He carried it on his back over a mountain to show people, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And he didn't give up. He goes, "Okay, I'll learn how to make it work." And he did. Yeah, that's really, that's really, that's a, that's a great story. Great story. And you pointed out, David, that the logo of... Uh, yeah, the had, Yamaha logo. The Yamaha logo has a tuning fork in it. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up. Three, logo, tuning, yeah. three tuning forks. There it is. Right there. The Yamaha logo has three tuning forks. And that's why. That's how it got started. Uh, wow. What, what was the guy's name? Torakusu Yamaha, I think. Torakusu? Yeah, Torakusu, Torakusu. Yamaha. He's got quotes. Torakusu. Well, he's the kind of guy who would because he lived it. I mean, his quotes are not quotes about ideas. His quotes are quotes about what he did because he did it. Mm-hmm. He, he lived it. It's very interesting. Well, let's, we'll do a, a Torakusu Yamaha quotes one of these days. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not seeing any. It's just I think because we've been searching quotes, they add quotes to all of my search queries. <laughs> okay. So well, move, moving on, we have a quote from Voltaire, number 63 on the left. Do you want to read it? Okay. Uh, 63, Voltaire. God gave us the gift of life. It is up to us to give ourselves the gift of living well. I like that one. That's good. So in other words, yeah, we have life, but what are you going to do with it? (laughs) It's up to us to do something with it. And that is live well, Mm -hmm. live well. And what is, what is living well? What is, what, what, How would you define living well? I think my definition is different than your definition, and that's why the quote is so good. It's up to us to give ourselves the gift of living well. 
well, that's going to be different. It's up to you to give yourself the gift of living well. It's up to me to give myself the give, gift of living well. That's going to look different depending on who you are. That's right. that, that lady coughing on people in the supermarket, she was just living her best life. She had a smug smile on her face. But what she didn't realize is if you think giving living well is coughing on people, you're going to lose your job because it's going to go viral on the Internet. So uh, I think that if she was there helping people, you know, um, she would have felt good about it and she wouldn't have lost her job. And so, you know, by virtue of doing something virtuous, she would be living well. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, you know, wringing satisfaction out of life, but not perhaps not at the expense of others. Because if you want to live well in the long term, uh, that's not something that's sustainable. Yeah. Well, I think living well is different for each of us. But I think also each of us well, can have a, a common goal of living well. Mm-hmm. And I think as 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 each of us uh, do that, if each of us does that, uh, we begin to realize what living well is. And I think humans, uh, they don't see that naturally. They don't see living well as, as a natural thing. They a lot of times they will start coughing on people and they wait a minute. Think about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Think about that's not that's not living well. You go, oh, yeah, I guess not. But then once you find once you're honest with yourself and find yourself, then you can start figuring out what's living well for you. And uh, and then happiness starts from within. Mm-hmm. So number 62, Edward Everett Hale coming together as a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. Oh, wow, I like that. I, I might even use that. That's good. Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. That is so true in business, in life, mm-hmm. in family, and everything. And you notice it starts with just coming together. Yeah. Although, have you ever been in an organization where you're like, man, I'm with these people, but I don't trust them. And then you're at the place a year later, and you're like, okay, well, we're still together. And we're working towards this goal, but I don't trust these people. And then you encounter catastrophic failure, and you're like, well, we all worked together, but it was not a success. <laughs> mm-hmm. It could happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's basically, this is sort of like the do your best for the community and the, the communal aspect of do your best. You know what I mean? Like when you wake up in the morning, do your best or whatever, like we had for H. Jackson Brown, the best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this Edward Everett Hale is if you're going to be working with people, you come together, you try to stay together and you work together. That's how you do your best. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a means. It is. It is. I think that this isn't, this isn't a, 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 a formula for success, but I think it's success in itself. And from that other things can come. Yes. Like you can't have success if you don't do that. So it's like a necessary ingredient, not a sufficient ingredient. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do this, but just by doing this doesn't mean you're going to be successful. But if you don't do it, that means you won't be. And uh, working together is, is success in itself. Yeah, we, we tried. Uh, we were success. We were successful by other measures or we're not successful by other measures. But just we worked it. We tried. We mm-hmm. worked together. 
and uh, you have to have that to have all kinds of success. Yeah. Well, I like that because uh, so many times you come together, you stay together, but you don't really work with each other. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and that is the beginning of failure. American that, author, historian, and Unitarian minister. That's him. That's him. That's good boy. He's got a lot of hair. Mm -hmm. Edward Everett Hale. Yeah. Well, I like that saying because that's that's a beginning. Uh, it's not it's not the entire uh, formula, but it's it's a beginning. Yeah. And it has it has you have to start to get anything done, and this is the way to start. Mm -hmm. Come together, keep together, and work together. So I like I like that saying. I like this next one. Number 61, Simone de Beauvoir. Change your life today. Don't gamble on the future. Act now without delay. Yeah, that rhymes. Mm -hmm. It's like a little poem. A little poem. I, but I, I like that. Simone de Beauvoir. Beauvoir. <laughs> nice. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, yeah, don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Do it right now. Mm -hmm. You know? And uh, some people are extremely good at that. They say, oh, yeah, okay, that should be done, okay. But you blink and they've already done it, you know. Yeah. Other people say, yeah, that should be done. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, <laughs> and they never get it done. Mm -hmm. But uh, some people, there are some people who are very active and they go, oh, that should be, uh, yeah, I'll start it before you even finish the sentence. Yeah. Th those th those people you really should uh, be around. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there's also like people that start and people that realize that, uh, like Marcus Aurelius, he had something that said, you know, don't put anything off for tomorrow, do it today. But he also said, you know, the best position for you to practice philosophy is it whatever position you're in right now. So it's like you could be a ditch digger. You could be, he was Roman emperor. He had the highest position in the world. And he felt like um, the ability to philosophize, to think about thoughts was part of the human condition. And it didn't matter where you were on the social cast, whether you were a man or a woman or what your occupation was or how much land or property you owned, uh, you were in a position to be a philosopher if you wanted to. Yeah. Well, I think everybody is a philosopher uh, in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. uh, they they uh, they uh, they need to be. Uh, again, that's part of being a human. It's about humanity. Mm -hmm. Is is moving forward and living your life according to some uh, some philosophy or some principle. Okay, we got ten more. We'll okay, end, we'll end with fifty-one. Not all those who wander are lost. J.R.R. <laughs> Tolkien. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so wide open that that can really apply to so many things, couldn't it? I think it's, I mean, people sort of take it very literally, like a hippie traveling across the nation watching fish concerts. They say, not all who wander are lost. I'm finding something else. But um, it can also be, you know, a scatterbrained scientist that's trying a million experiments. And it's like... He's going for quantity, not quality. He's not focusing on one thing. He's trying a million things, and he may have a discovery someday because he was willing to jump from thing to thing to thing. And uh, 
you know, sometimes the journey of a thousand miles uh, starts with a single step, but sometimes that's one step in a direction and then one step in a different direction, one step in a different direction, and then you'll finally find your footing. Um, and if you're wandering, you're not necessarily lost. You're not just going from uh, L.A. to New York and you're trying to walk as the crow flies. You may walk a thousand miles and end up back in L.A., one step away from where you started, and you still did a journey of a thousand miles. And sometimes you just you just walk. You just want to go out and walk just to clear your mind. Yeah, like uh, Forrest Gump. Like Forrest Gump. He just started running. He just started. He was running. not lost. He was not lost. That's something he wanted. He needed to do, and that that's important. And so, uh, and I know I'll take a break and just take a walk mm-hmm. and just wander, and that's going to be. It's going to be valuable. And other people uh, start a journey, and they're not really sure where they're going, but uh, they'll they'll start moving in a direction, uh, take the first step, and they're not really sure what the journey is, but they know they're moving in the direction they want to move in. So they're not lost. Mm-hmm. They don't know where they're going or what's going to happen, but they know they're going in a direction they want to go in. So uh, I think along with that... Uh, not, not all those who wander are lost is that everyone should be moving. Yeah. <laughs> you should be wandering. Whether you're, whether you're lost or not, just start wandering and maybe you'll find your way. Well, I, I also think that the important part of this is not all. So if you're wandering, you're sort of in search of some sort of deeper understanding of the world or whatever. Um, you're going to encounter people who are wandering and are lost. Uh, and I think that it's important to recognize that not all doesn't mean all those who wander are not lost. That's not what he said. He's not saying if you're That's wandering, right. you're in search of a, a, broad, like a better understanding of the world. No, a lot of people who wander are lost. What he's saying sure. is that some of the people that you see out there wandering, you assume that they're lost when really... They're not. That's right. So I think that that's an important distinction. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, <clears throat> number 59. Oh, and Frank. Whoever is happy will make others happy too. <laughs> that's, wow. See, now that, that from Anne Frank, what a, what a great saying from a source that has impact. Mm-hmm. That is impact. Can you be happy? Could you be happy uh, at the place where she was when she probably wrote that? Mm-hmm. But she was happy to make others happy too, right in the middle of a of a war. Yeah, I think it's uh, the corollary is true as well. If you're down in the dumps and you hang your head and you mope. And you'll make other people miserable, too. And the thing is, they could try to cheer you up, but one's going to win. Like, so um, it's sort of a strength of wills. Like, if you feel bad and these people are trying to cheer you up, you could say, I see that these people are trying to cheer me up, but I'm going to continue to feel bad because I want them to feel bad, too. I think that's 
or you could say, you know, I feel terrible, and but the and these people obviously feel terrible too. But I'm going to pretend to be happy because maybe I can make them happy too. Mm-hmm. So I think that your attitude is contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not failed. I have just found ten thousand ways that don't work. Thomas Edison. <laughs> That's right. Actually, I uh, I have not failed. I'm just learning what not to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same thing, but I like that. No, you don't. You don't. Because if you say, "Oh, I failed," the implication is you're going to quit. Said, no, you're learning what what you shouldn't do, and you're going to try some more stuff to see what does work. You'll never find what works by stopping when something doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and he I, didn't. And he, I think when he when he discovered the light bulb. Uh, he had discovered the light bulb earlier. He just didn't do it the right way, like with enough electricity or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the right filament, but it wasn't it wasn't the, the right watts to to illuminate. So you just keep trying, and sometimes go back and do it again. Yeah, try the same thing again to see if it works. I think of tea. Uh, you can make tea, and there's three yeah. there's three factors. There's the temperature of the water, the amount, mm-hmm. uh, the amount of the water, the amount of the tea, and the amount of time that you steep. And those three factors, some people will say, you're making tea all wrong. And other people like, this is the way I like it. There's broad disagreement throughout the world on how tea should be made, how much tea should be used for how much water, what the temperature of the water should be, and how long you should leave those tea leaves in the water. And those are the only things you really have to consider at all when making tea. But no one can agree upon the exact right way to do it <laughs> because it's all a matter of taste. Yeah. Therefore, you probably could have another saying in there to what uh, a tea that's right for me is not right for you and a tea that's right for you is not right for me. Mm-hmm. But I suppose that's a little bit different than He's just found 10,000 ways that don't work. I kind of want to just relate that to this last year where science is an iterative process and our scientific and medical experts would say, we think that this is the way to go. And then they take a look at the data and they get feedback and they run studies and they say, actually, when we told you this, we want to slightly change it. And the media uh, will go on a rampage and say, they don't know what they're talking about. They told us one thing, now they tell us another. Make up your minds, guys. It's like, that's not how science works. Do you think that Thomas Edison said, I think that this is going to be the light bulb, then it breaks? He's like, okay, hold on. I think this is going to be the light bulb. And people said, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He already said he had a light bulb. It didn't work. No, he had to fail 10,000 times to get... uh, I think people have a hard time wrapping their head around an iterative process, especially when someone's an expert in a field. That's right. That's right. Uh, Moving on, 57. We got seven left, six left. Uh, Do you want to read this one? Benjamin Franklin, tell me, and I forget, teach me, and I remember, involve me, and I learn. Benjamin Franklin. As someone in academia, how do you feel about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, uh, I, I say that all the time. Uh, and I actually, which we've talked about this, I have different videos. One is I present things and, and say, there's the ideas. Okay. And then I explain it. I explain it in detail as as if teaching in, in with a lecture. 
But then I involve them in it to where they have to do it and they have to apply it. And so when you actually start doing things, all of a sudden, then you begin to see how everything works together once you do something. And so and there is a progression. There's a way of doing things uh, where. uh, Who was it? Oh, you were telling me, David, first you study it. (laughs) You know, there is a progression of how you learn Mm -hmm. and uh, and also how how people are changed. And I think that. when you hear and then when you see and then when you do, uh, those three are different, three different ways of learning and doing is much longer uh, for people because they can remember better what they've done than what they've seen or what they hear. What you can hear, it's easy to tune out. What you see is physical. What you do is something that you've done. And uh, it's, there's a lot of truth in that. It's a lot of truth in that. Okay, Thomas Aquinas, there's nothing on this earth more to be prized than true friendship. Hmm. Yep, that's, that's good. John C. Maxwell, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes, it rolls off the tongue, but if you think of each one of the, all three of those, mm-hmm. the three different things, there are three different things. Knowing something and doing something are two different things. Yeah. But then knowing it and doing it and then helping others do that, uh, that 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 third one is is uh, there's a lot of uh, virtue in the third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of virtue in the second one, like when uh, January 6th, right. when uh, the president of the United States says, we're going to go to the Capitol and I'll be there with you. Well, I think that things may have gone different if he was there in the crowd. Things may have gone different if he was there and he stood up on the ramparts and he said, hey, let's not breach this building and smear poop on the walls. Um, but he didn't go the way. Therefore, he wasn't there to show the way. Uh, he just sort of hid in his bunker in the White House. So maybe he wasn't a true leader. I don't know. That's not for me to say. Uh, number 54. <laughs> Very little is needed to make a happy life. It is all within yourself in your way of thinking. Wow. Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius. Yep. Very little is needed to make a happy. Well, what he means is you don't need a lot of money or a lot of goods or a lot of possessions to be happy. I think what he means by very little is needed as far as physical possessions. Mm -hmm. It's just inside yourself. It's in you. Yeah. It's in in how you think and how you live and... uh, and uh, that there's there's happiness inside you. And I think he would argue, um, if he were alive today, things like clean water, food, shelter, um, like those are the necessary things. Um, a brand new sports car, that shouldn't make you happy. I think if you don't have indoor plumbing, clean water, food, it won't be long till you are unhappy because you're physically miserable. Now, you can live without a sports car. You can take the bus. You can drive a 2004 Honda. It doesn't matter. You don't need, uh, that's not going to make you happy. But there are little things, I think, that if you don't have, you'll be miserable pretty quickly. If you're starving, I think you're miserable. Right. There's some needs, yeah. basic needs that, that are met. 
But as far as being happy, uh, the uh, it, it's it's within. Yes. So you say, oh, if I just had a sports car. Well, sometimes the the thought of of a sports car makes you happy. That you're you're believing the fantasy of having a sports car as being happy until you have it, then you realize. This is not what I thought. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times yeah. people t- sell you on the idea that possessing something is a road to happiness. Yeah, and, because they can sell it to you and make some money. Yeah, but there is, I think, something to that where if you possess a skill you didn't once have through diligent work, that can make you happy. You know? Right. If you say, oh, I'm going to learn how to knit. And then all of a sudden you have a pair of gloves that you knit for yourself. You say, well, these are mine. Yeah. And yeah, they may have taken me 45 hours and I could have gone to Walmart and bought them for five bucks. But like developing that skill was a source of happiness. So possessing that skill, possessing things you can do more, the, the more things you can do, I think the happier you'll be. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I think also along this line, as far as being happy is uh, learning. The more the more people learn about things, the happier they can be with their world and themselves and people. Mm-hmm. And I think knowledge and the pursuit of knowledge, uh, I think, is is a key to to happiness. If you if you uh, to most people, to most people. So as they begin to learn things and gain knowledge and wisdom, not just knowledge, knowledge and wisdom, then you can enjoy your world more. And well, it's it's a beautiful world out there. The next quote has a different key to happiness. There's only one happiness in this life, to love and be loved. Yeah. Well, that, that's happiness in relationships. I would say that's happiness in relationships, which is true. Now, but do you feel like in order to be happy, you have to love yourself? Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. So it's like yeah. if, if you don't, if you hate yourself, you're not going to be happy. And you'll probably True. never love and be loved by someone else, too, if you absolutely despise yourself. So so maybe there's some yeah. truth in that. Let's finish well, off this. Oh, I'll ahead. tell you, one of the most attractive things in another person, one of the most attractive things in a person is that they love you. Mm-hmm. And you think, uh, well, look how pretty she is or look how handsome he is. And, oh, I love that. You know, that that fades. Uh, but one thing that lasts is if they really love you. And so when two people love each other, that both are just the most beautiful people in the world to each other. Mm-hmm. So so there's where happiness lies in uh, uh, sharing love. And okay. love is the kind of thing that doesn't grow unless you give it away. Okay, you want to finish? Two more, finish yeah. Real? I like the last two. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door by Milton Berle. <laughs> Milton Berle. A comedian. That's a good comedians one. Are, comedians are sharp. They're smart. Uh, they 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 key into things. Mm-hmm. If opportunity doesn't like build a door, okay. Well, let's do something about it. Yeah, give <laughs> give opportunity a chance to knock. Yeah, give. Yeah, that's right. Do something about it. And then our last last one is Mark Twain. Go ahead. The secret of getting ahead. Is getting started. That's like the journey of a thousand miles. Yeah, you got it. You got to start. You got to start doing something. And a lot of times, so many times, you don't know where you're going until you start. Mm-hmm. 
but you know you want to go somewhere. So you start, and once you start, you're going to realize this is this is where I want to go. And so you can't think about what you want and never do anything about it. And uh, when you start something, you don't always know exactly what's going to happen, but you know you want something in that area. But once you start, then you begin to see this is what I want. And mm-hmm. what? And sometimes you achieve things you didn't expect uh, when you started. You, the unexpected will happen, and sometimes the unexpected is better than what you thought. Yeah. Initially, so it's all about moving and doing, moving and doing. Never give up. So Never nothing- give up. Nothing better than a quote about getting started to end on. This has been the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado. We're available live on YouTube. Leave us a like and subscribe if you're watching us here or wherever you get your podcasts. Is there anything you'd like to say as we close this episode? Yes, keep on talking. Uh, But listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying.